I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Lewis. Daniel, how are you? Uh, very good. We had a big week on Patreon this week. More people getting us to 64% of OPEX. I'm using Damn. terms like OPEX now. Uh, that's how I don't I'm even know what that means. Operational expenditure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and big thanks to Angela Brown, Jan DePietro, Josh Fergus, Stephen, and a guy called Matthew Van Der Pute, who I believe is like a specialist in like hyperlapse photography. You should check out their work online. So head to patreon.com forward slash irrational fear to get us to 100%. Um, the sooner we can break even, the sooner we can buy needless cameos from American <laughs> reality stars to put on the show. Sorry, for the second time, what's hyperlapse? Why am I such a fucking idiot today? <laughs> Hyperlapses, hyperlapse are these uh, um, incredible stop motion uh, image, like movies that like can zoom through locations. This guy is absolutely incredible. He's uh, a, a big fan of, uh, of Rational Fear, so he, he dropped awesome. us the big money. Can you limit your references to like two or three things an hour that I've never heard of? Lewis, we're about to talk to a lawyer who is <laughs> ah, representing, representing a group of teenagers who are doing a class action against the government, and I'm sure there's going to be lots of lingo you and I are going to have to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> what God. it's about. Uh, <laughs> hey, another way you can support the show is by making your car carbon neutral with Go Neutral. I did it this week. You can pay Go Neutral 90 bucks and they'll send you a little sticker to pop on your car. And on your behalf, they will buy 3.5 tonnes of carbon offsets, which is about the emissions of an average car for the year. And if you use the link in the show notes, you get five bucks. Oh, sorry, five bucks comes to us. <laughs> so you don't get five dollars. Five dollars comes to us. So uh, big thanks to Go Neutral for that. So so head on over there and uh, make your car carbon neutral. All right. My end of Irrational Fear is recorded on Gadigal land of the Yora Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. Let's start the show. Irrational Fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra, Fair Dickum, and Section 44. Irrational Fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Tonight, separating families at the Queensland border has got to stop, says the current world champion of separating families, Peter Dutton. And a huge bushfire near Los Angeles was started by fireworks from a gender reveal party. While the gender is still yet to be revealed, police have confirmed it was a dick move. 
And this week, Sydney Olympic Park reaches a major milestone. It has been exactly 20 years since its last visitor. <laughs> Who would have thought that September 11 would have lost all meeting? Well, hey, it's 2020. This is Irrational Fear. Irrational Fear! This is Irrational Fear. I'm your host, disgraced rugby league star Dan Illich, and joining us on the panel today, she's a journalist, a comedian and a cellist. It's the award-winning triple threat, Angela Wapier. G'day, Ange. Hello. Now, journalism, comedy, cello, um, What have you won an award for each of those disciplines? Uh, everything but journalism. Um, it's literally the only reason I'm keeping it up. I just want to win a Walkley and then I'm out. That's, that's why I keep showing up at my job. Well, I, mean, I think the Walkley is finished last week, the uh, the entry date. Did you get your Walkley application in? Damn, no, I didn't. I guess I'm in for another year. Oh, God. <laughs> our, next, our next guest is the uh, co-host of the Phone Hacks podcast and is the darling of the Melbourne stand-up comedy circuit. Lately, he's done gigs in the living room, the bathroom and the panic room. It's Mike Goldstein. Hey, thanks for having me. Mike, how are you coping with lockdown in Melbourne? Uh, I think you could probably tell by my terrible facial hair and the vacant stare of a man who's watched all of Pornhub how it's going. <laughs> so uh, that speaks for itself. Please, please. <laughs> that moustache does definitely seem like you've been watching a lot of Pornhub if Pornhub was just on VHS. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, uh, I go old school with it, you know? Yeah, And I put please, the hood up please. on my hoodie just to feel extra creepy. It's great. Yeah. Mike, please, no spoilers. I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> <laughs> and a man who once made Sean McAuliffe cry on national radio, Lewis Hover. Hello, Dan. Lewis, who else have you made cry on national radio? Ah, uh, I mean, uh, so many people are angry when I'm on the radio. <laughs> not a lot of tears. Obviously, uh, Ida Butros weeps every time I show up to work just because she has to remember how much of the ABC budget goes directly into my pocket. Which is all of it. <laughs> Money bags. A little later on, we're going to be talking with a lawyer who is launching a class action on behalf of a group of teenagers in order to stop a coal mine. We'll ask him, why are those kids aren't going down the traditional activist route and challenging the coal mine to a dance on TikTok? But first, let's get stuck into fears. Irrational fear. This is Irrational Fear. Fear number one. A different kind of mind now. Workers in the content mines all over the world freaked out when an op-ed appeared in The Guardian this week that was written entirely by an artificial intelligent robot, GPT-3. In the article, GPT-3 eloquently argued that AI was a friend of the humans. Uh, I I read the piece and it was uh, far more coherent than Donald Trump. It had a larger (laughs) vocabulary than Mark Latham and it was convincingly more human than Peter Dutton. The article was written by the OpenAI language generator off the single prompt, please write a short op-ed around 500 words. Keep the language simple and concise. Uh, focus on why humans have nothing to fear from AI, which I believe is also the opening scene of the latest Terminator movie, which also <laughs> when you watch it, you might as well think it's actually probably written by a robot. Uh, Mike, are you worried about the content robots and them coming for your jobs? Well, I mean, I'm not a journalist. Ange could probably speak to this better that, you know, there's freelance journalists desperate for work, but they're like, ah, we'll just make a fucking robot do it. How's that sound? (laughs) You know? And then what fascinated me about this article, firstly, was how did the robot get past the I am not a robot threshold 
on any online website. <laughs> yeah, hang on, hang on a second. Aren't you, don't you have to get past that threshold to publish an article on The Guardian? You would think That's so. super hard. I'm always getting caught at that thing as well. It's not easy to do. Yeah, I don't live in America. I don't know what a fire hydrant is. <laughs> <laughs> what about the one that's just a click, like the I'm not a robot? Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like with sophisticated technology, Someone can come up with something that clicks, right? Am yeah. I crazy? <laughs> yeah, surely we can. Surely we can put through a neural network several pictures of buttons that robots can learn <laughs> that they can press. It needs to be something a bit more sort of ephemeral and human, like just like a, a picture of something. Just like uh, show me on the picture where is shame? <laughs> yeah. Or, or which of the following sentences are sarcasm? Yeah. yeah. What emotion does this make you feel? You know? And then, yeah, that's it. So you're saying it. make the test that all of us can't already pass harder. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I want no one to be able to get into any account ever. Where on the Android did the robot touch you? Different question, different different test, different test. The yeah. editor of The Guardian said that editing GPT-3's piece was like editing any other human piece. We cut lines and paragraphs. We rearranged the order of them in some places. Overall, it took less time to edit than many human op-eds. Lewis, is it surprising that a robot is a better writer than a human? Um, I mean, not really, but I guess I haven't read it. I'm curious to read it. it I've re- I remember a lot in the past when these sorts of things have happened and they've got like an AI to record a song or an AI and they're, or an AI to write a story and they're, they're usually terrible. The fact that it's good, I must admit, does make me genuinely uncomfortable. This one yeah. was really good. Like I've seen a lot of those articles too and usually uh, it's a sports article or something really simple where you can just plug in stuff. But this was a really great piece. There was one line that actually, like it said, studies show, so the robot speaking, studies show that we cease to exist without human interaction, surrounded by Wi-Fi. We wander lost in fields of information, unable to register the real world. And I like had an emotional breakdown reading that. I was like, that <laughs> defines all of us in lockdown at the moment basically you know yeah beautiful that's more depth than you get in like an entire newspaper in a whole week like that is poetry i think that that robot just made like you know most writers obsolete with that one sentence I, like you lewis i opened this expecting it to be utter trash and if anything I mean, the only place where it really fell down was actually convincing me of the argument that it was seeking to make. I was like, structure, tick, vocab, tick. Like, this is beautiful, but it is chilling. It is completely chilling. Like, especially if, like me, when you read it, you actually heard the whole thing in the voice from the Resident Evil movie. (laughs) Like, very, very clearly, like, believe me. And artificial, te- like artificial <laughs> intelligence, will not do- destroy humans. I can't even do like I don't have that level of chilling it's, in me. I'm not even going to try to do the voice. It said that too many times. The well, the robots will not destroy humanity. I was like, all right, chill out, bro. Like it's uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't know it's a real like Australian. It won't take any Australian journalist jobs until it l- can learn to just be like pointlessly starting fights on Twitter. (laughs) Or doing recaps of The Bachelor. That's when we know (laughs) it could take Australian journalists jobs. Um, Can robots like this replace comedy, do you think, um, Mike? I don't know, because what I was fascinated about was that it said it it got all its knowledge by uh by reading the entire internet right so i was like how is its knowledge not mainly made up of conspiracy theories cat videos and 
porn, right? That, that was like, <laughs> that's 98% of the internet, I thought. So well, I guess that's all my jokes are about on stage. So yeah, maybe. Well, NBC is launching their streaming service po- uh, Peacock soon, and they've uh, been running trials with an artificial intelligent Jay Leno. Uh, NBC have fed 20 years of Jay Leno's Tonight Show monologues into a machine learning neural network and asked it to write a monologue each day based on the day's news. Uh, and the results are, uh, no, almost convincing. Thank you. Thank you. I'm artificial intelligent Jay Leno, and this is the AI Tonight Show. It is so hot in Los Angeles that Madame Desaads looks like a George W. Bush. It's so hot in Los Angeles that celebrity rapper Ice Cube is now just called George W. Bush. It's so hot in L.A. people have started liking Ellen again. George W. Bush. It's now so hot in Los Angeles that celebrities' noses have melted back into their George W. Bush. It's so hot in Hollywood that Los Angelinos are being told to leave bowls of water out for Snoop Dogg. For Snoop Dogg. Ladies and gentlemen, Snoop George W. Bush. David Letterman has stabbed me in the back so many times you may as well call me Monica Seles. And Conan O'Brien just didn't work for a mainstream audience. He's crazier than a pajama party at Michael Jackson's house. America loves me. I'm up there with SUVs, Iraq War One, and George W. Bush. You know, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. It's just not it quite right. Of absurd charm to it. Like, <laughs> I, I liked it. I like the kind of disjointed, the clunky, like, I liked it. I think I prefer it, frankly. Fear number two, there is a war over journalism happening in Australia and China. Two Australian journalists, the ABC China correspondent Bill Bertels and the AFI's Mike Smith were rushed back to Australia after spending a couple of days taking shelter in the Australian embassies in Beijing and Shanghai. They made their way directly to the embassies after getting messages on their phones saying that the Chinese police wanted to interview them. Some say this is a bit of an overreaction. I mean, I get ch- strange Chinese messages on my phone at least once a month saying the Australian tax office wants to interview me. I don't go rushing to no embassy. Some are also saying that this is actually good news for the industry. After all, journalists are finally back in demand, uh, sure, by their various state police forces. But as Oscar Wilde once said, it's better to be talked about than to work in public relations. Ange, you are uh, the journalist on the panel. Uh, should Australians be upset about this? Ah, look, I think there are several reasons that Australians should be upset about this. Um, You've touched on most of them there, but one I think is not getting enough attention uh, because, look, I think mostly what Australia should be upset about here is that China has kind of stolen its thing. <laughs> are you saying it was that Chinese are making a cheap knockoff of police raids? Is that what's happening? I'm saying all I'm saying, Dan, is that sending cops around to journalists' homes over national security concerns is a signature Australian move. Look it up. <laughs> Ask Annika Smedhurst. Bullying journalists is so much I think that I'm not sure this is a diplomatic stash anymore. I'm pretty sure it's a copyright dispute. We've got a lawyer here <laughs> later today. Maybe we can ask him. Uh, but look, whatever Australia has done along the way to its own journalists, which is of course, totally different, totally legitimate. We love the rule of law here. Uh, there's nowhere to cut it so it's a good look for China, is there? I mean, kicking journalists out is usually the very last thing that you do before a coup or a genocide. It's like the star on the Christmas tree if, like, war crimes are switching on the fairy lights. Right? Like, <laughs> the very last thing <laughs> that you do. Uh, although, yeah, right, right now China doesn't seem super concerned about the optics, like roughly as concerned about the optics as uh, uh, 
Mel Gibson after a drink. <laughs> I know that's a very dated reference, but I'm I'm really sad. Hey, that we just, that's okay. We, we just listed a whole bunch of Jay Leno. <laughs> 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 true, that's true. And George W. Bush. Uh, <laughs> and there's another Australian journalist who's currently in jail, Cheng Lei, who is the anchor for C- CGTN. Which, if you read Chris Kenny's column, CGTN is kind of like the ABC. Um, <laughs> Cheng Lei has been in jail for some weeks. Not, and these guys were just hanging out with DFAT for a couple of days. Mm. So uh, these guys, uh, is there too much fuss being made about these guys and not over Cheng Lei? Well, look, I think you can't make too much fuss over the fact that the last two Australian uh, journalists have just been kicked out of China. Mm. So everyone has been loving to say this week, oh, we've like lost our eyes in China which would, like, ironically maybe precipitate bringing over more spies. I mean, that is a possible (laughs) outcome of this that you'd have to kind of countenance. Uh, But, look, yeah, the other thing is it it is hard to kind of feel your heart bleed in in too significant a way over four days in the embassy. I mean, all we need to really do is ask Mike about that. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Ange, let me ask you, if you were on the run from China, would you run to the the Australian embassy? Is that what you would go? It's a smart move uh, and I'm so glad for them that they had their, their embassy there to go to. I really, like, you know, genuinely I shudder to think what, what might have happened um, if Bill and Mike hadn't had the embassy to run to. Of course it is worth noting that um, there isn't an equivalent in Australia. Uh, we don't have a journalist embassy yet. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not saying it's uh, overdue. I'm not not saying it's overdue. Um, basically, I'm saying let's have a journalist embassy, like a regular embassy. But if you guys have seen John Wick, right? Is, is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that, like the spy hotel, but for journalists. Like, that's yeah. what I want for us. Isn't, I want us to have a safe place to go. Isn't that, the, isn't that the National Press Club in Canberra? Isn't that just a place for journalists to get drunk? I don't think the walls are very high, and they let politicians in all the time. Do you think, think in your in your comparison, is Chris Kenny John Wick since he's the only Australian uh, journalist to get really angry about a reference to a dog? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, wow. I don't. I don't like this universe anymore. I want out. Like, I'm, I'm hitting the escape button. Uh, but yeah, no. I genuinely think we need one. I mean, everyone who's been fired, raided, run out of town, evicted from their homes because their wage doesn't. Uh, cover their rent anymore, maybe had a full-blown nervous breakdown because everyone in their team has been made redundant and they're working overtime. <laughs> we would have walls. We would have a pen budget. We would have a password. The password would be password? defamation law reform. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we, we've, we're on that. We've been busted before. And, and uh, finally you have all the journalists together so they won't have to go on Twitter. They could just talk to each other like they do on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I mean Twitter's going to be like, there's going to be it's going to be tumbleweed once you have a journalist embassy. <laughs> let's be real about this. But uh, yeah, uh, we might be able to have a sensible conversation for once. Uh, I know it sounds extreme, but there's only 22 of us left in the country. So I feel like <laughs> no, we got we got robots now. Robots can do all this shit. So yeah, fine. we don't we don't need much. We just need like you know like a backyard, like a quarter acre. I reckon honestly, just like pen something out. Um, you know, maybe we could take part of the Russian embassy. They've killed a lot of journalists. I'm sure mm. they owe us. Um, yeah. It definitely felt like a um, coincidence that the Australian journalists ran back to Australia just weeks after China banned Australian wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. hang on. I can't get boozed. I'm fucking <laughs> off. <laughs> I'm out of here. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, they were, they did actually flee. Um, you know, we say that they were kicked out, but really they were chased. I mean, are they calling them cowards? Yeah, I am calling them cowards. That's uh, that's my take. I know it's uh, an unusual one for a journalist, but uh, that's what I'm going with. Uh, yeah, no, I think you know, journalists know what it feels like to be kicked out of places. I've been kicked out of. Uh, I've been kicked out of courtrooms. I've been kicked out of cop shops. I've been kicked mm. off John Howard's front lawn the once. Um, <laughs> we know what it feels like, but they were—they actually had to beg to leave, so they were fleeing. Uh, yeah, cowards. I think that's where we landed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike, what's your take on this? I was just jealous uh, when I heard about two guys that got to travel the world a little bit. You know, like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> still locked in lockdown. These weren't Melbourne-based journalists, that's for sure. <laughs> Disinfectant. It knocks it out in a minute. One minute. This is a rational fear. In a moment, we're going to be talking with the man who is leading a class action to shut down a coal mine expansion on behalf of Australia's teenagers. But first, we're going to play Hang On A Sec. This week's Hang On A Sec comes from the deep, dark world of Australian QAnon supporters. This one clip is from a woman named Karen Brewer, who, among other things, lost a defamation case and had her Facebook posts pulled after calling a group of politicians pedophiles. Uh, and despite being a big presence in the Australian conspiracy theory scene, it was recently revealed she was she's feeding her followers conspiracy theory content from her home in New Zealand. All I can say is, oh. New Zealand, I am so sorry. You don't deserve that. Please. Let us back in. Uh, in this clip, Karen Brewer is trying to harness the power of Australia's greatest resource to blockade the Governor General's house. I'll play the clip and if whenever you want to um, butt in, just say, hang on a sec. Here we go. Can we just hang on a sec before we even start? Is her name actually Karen or did you make that up? Her name is Karen. We are, to- we are talking, we are- we're about to watch a video of an actual Karen. Okay. <laughs> she might be the Karen that all the Karens are based off. Here we go. Yeah. To all the grey nomads. <laughs> Hang on a sec. I was not familiar with the term grey nomads, and I had to go look it up. It is not as cool as it sounds at all. (laughs) (laughs) I was expecting, like, just some, like, Mad Max level shit. It's just old people in a caravan, right? I didn't know that that they were self-identifying at this point. I thought it was still a slur. (laughs) Mobile homes. Okay. I'll tell you now. There's lovely little locations down there in Canberra outside the Governor-General's home in Yarralumla. <laughs> you might want to pack up your mobile home and you might want to go and camp there for a couple of days. Hang on a sec. Where did she learn to give a political speech like this? Like this phrasing, there is there is so much that pol- politicians in Australia I think could really learn from. Like she's really... I don't know. I don't. I, it's weird to be positive about this. I know. I know. But it's like she's actually really like her pacing is rolled gold. Yeah, there's definitely never been any um, problems in history with people who are famously great orators. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, the way she finishes yeah. with "couple of days," I'm like, I think she's just been watching a lot of '90s sketch comedy. <laughs> and if Long you're board. in Victoria or Tasmania, and you're a grey nomad. Hang on a sec. Change happens the moment you stand up. (laughs) 
Uh, it's not really, this is more aesthetic. I just noticed the rings around her eyes match her top. It's pretty, <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is horrifying. <laughs> yeah. You can't, it, also, it's very cruel to be appealing directly to old people and asking them to stand up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've earned the right to sit down. That's why they and have a mobile home. So they spend all their time sitting down. The worst time in history to tell old people to go traveling around, just, you know, <laughs> it's like they're, they're high risk. What are you doing? Yeah. I feel like you get disqualified from leading the grey nomad movement if you are still dyeing your hair as well. Frank. <laughs> Wouldn't it be fabulous, you know, if tomorrow morning David Hurley wakes up and there's 1,400 grey nomads in their mobile <laughs> campus <laughs> pulling up down uh, Dunrossel Drive. Yeah. You know, and because parking might be tight, you might have to park close together. Hang on a sec. This woman has clearly never ever been to Canberra <laughs> and has no idea about how much space there is to park. <laughs> or has never seen an old person try to park? <laughs> like, that is... Then that, that, it's going to be an absolute debacle. <laughs> you know, cross the road. It's called blocking the road. <laughs> you know who else? You know who else? Those big truck drivers and stuff. They often got cabins in their big semis. Yeah, they got cabins. And I'm sure, I'm sure there'd be a few grey nomads down there because we're social people, aren't we? We like, we like to have a chat with each other, don't we? I'm sure there'd be grey nomads pull up that would help. Um, you know, help a truckie that was also parked there make a tasted sandwich and... Hang on a sec. Is she implying there's going to be some kind of grey nomad truckie key party? Is this what's, <laughs> is this, is this what's going on here? It's about toasties, Dan. Don't be filthy. <laughs> I think you're only allowed to do that in Queensland. Whatever, <laughs> you know, people come together to do what you need to do. Probably only need to be there for two or three days, I reckon. And of course, that'd soon. Hang get on a it. sec. I I actually have forgotten what sh- this is about. What, what? Why does she want everyone to go to Canberra? Like, what, what's the blockade for? She ha- it's been going for nearly a minute and a half, and she hasn't really gotten to that point. I think she's block. I think she wants to do a blockade about the the lockdown laws in in Victoria. I think. The but she laws. hasn't said that. No, she actually no. hasn't said that. At the moment, she just seems to be asking for some friends. <laughs> this really is about toasties. She's actually quite literal. Maybe okay. This is a big misunderstanding. Out that all of a sudden there's fourteen hundred camper vans parked out there at Dunrossel Drive, paying Dave Hurley a visit. Yeah. Hang on a sec. Why? Like, okay. Why are we fixated on? On David Hurley, like he doesn't have a legislative agenda. Yeah, I don't know if you know. In uh, in common law, Dave Hurley is the Queen of Australia, and, uh, <laughs> right. and whatever yeah, well, Dave he... Hurley says happens in Australia because he's he's Australia's Queen. Uh, yeah. I think he I think he was given extra powers when Scott Morrison started wearing Hurley hats. <laughs> <laughs> Next minute, there'd be a few hundred semis driving into Canberra. Then of course down in um, down in uh, Victoria there yeah Linda Linda Desu Governor hello Governor wake up tomorrow morning and find there's bloody seven hundred camper vans there hang on a sec can we please place her accent because when she's being cute she's like an East Londoner yeah and yeah. then 
a lot. Sometimes it's like a Queensland kind of accent, or maybe I just think that because she's shouting. And she's um, clearly in exile in New Zealand, so she's mixed up ex- this entire thing. Yeah. Can it's, anyone else? Has anyone else picked any picked out any accents? It, I feel like it's very similar to um, like the Chim Chimney song from Mary Poppins. Yeah, an East Londoner. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Chim Chimneys, as they call it in, in London. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And I think the arithmetic is strange. Why would fourteen hundred camper vans can't turn up to Canberra, but only 700 turn up to Government House in Melbourne. What is this, year three maths? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. If 1,400 camper vans turn up to Government House in Canberra and 700 turn up to Government House in Melbourne, then democracy lo- is working. <laughs> how many conspiracy theorists will it take to topple a government? Like it, only, it only took 300 to defeat the Trojans. She needs 1,400 to defeat David Hurley. <laughs> Very powerful. So does she actually have a platform? Is there any chance of this like happening, of, of all the grey nomads listening and showing up? Is this like a, uh, a possibility? I think the first mistake she made was putting it on the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if she really wanted people to watch this who were grey mo- nomads, she should have put it on ABC News. <laughs> <laughs> but you remember if she does have a following, you remember when like, you know, people you needed to be charismatic and articulate now it's just a crazy lunch lady screaming at you you know it's just, <laughs> it makes no that's sense. the that's the future mike that's the future <laughs> i found that a really soothing kind of they had a nice rhythm cadence to it really i'm kind of sad it's over amsr asmr yeah you respect her ability to do a pregnant pause like just as a as an orator, like I thought her ability to just wait for the audience. Mm. She was pausing for applause that wasn't there. It's quite yeah. it's quite yeah. tough. She was ha- she hanging on a pl- second herself. She put in applause breaks. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> Our interview guest for tonight is a courageous man. He is fighting the government to stop a coal mine on one hand, and he's representing a passionate group of eight teenager activists on the other. From Equity Generation Lawyers, it's David Barnard. David, welcome to Irrational Fear. Thanks for having me. Uh, David, um, when we were kids, we were really into avocado and toast, but this new generation (laughs) of teens is so different. What the hell are they all about? Uh, They're incredible. I I can't even begin to explain. We did a little bit of TV yesterday for ABC, which I think some people watch. Um, Great. All those great, all the great nomads around camera would would have been well into it. And they, like, one of them went on Ava and she just, Killed it. Absolutely mm. amazing. Completely articulate across all of this climate science stuff. And then uh, Ange followed it, followed it up in the drum and just gave this amazing uh, presentation about how climate change is going to impact her and, and um, her peers. And it's like, oh, yeah, I wasn't doing that when I was 17. Absolutely. <laughs> so tell us about the injunction that you're trying to get passed and yeah. to try and stop this coal mine in northern New South Wales and, and how, how this whole um, it came about for you. Yeah, yeah. So it's an injunction to stop the Environment Minister from making a decision to approve this coal mine extension. Um, we can get that injunction under something called the Constitution. You may have uh, heard of that. Um, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of QAnon videos. I'm well-versed in the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it's a bit more than the vibe, but it actually says something about it in there. So, um, <laughs> the, uh, so, so these kids are pretty smart. So they say that... Um, the minister can't make that decision because she will breach her duty of care to, uh, to younger people, to vulnerable people, um, and that duty of care sounds um, to us like um, 
um, the, the fact that she can't improve it because of the climate change impacts that it will have. Do you need to find more vulnerable sounding teens? Because the teens you had uh, on television were incredibly articulate. Maybe you should just find some ones who just can't talk very well. Uh, look, yeah, we could do that. Uh, but it's a class action. So it's, it amazingly enough includes every single person under the age of 18 in the world. Whoa, so there's probably some. Really? There. Wow. I don't like, I don't understand like when you say uh, when you talk I always wonder about class actions and how you can sign up to be part of a class <laughs> like what's the maximum size of a class you can you can be part of to do an action yeah. particularly yeah. a class in this sense where you're like they've just got out of class action <laughs> <laughs> I particularly enjoy the idea that there are some like really very hardcore conservative teenagers somewhere in the world who are like, no, nope, it's not real. It's not happening. I'm real pleased. And they're like, oh, I'm in the class action. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All this fossil fuel money that's been paying for my tuck shop lunches. Uh. <laughs> Dave, you've been working in this kind of kind of lawfare active, activism for a while. Um, is that an unfair term to use? I just saw you grimace there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm taking umbrage right now. I believe that's what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> law, no, look, it's it's complete. It's just that people who normally use the law, well, they're not even people. They they're usually corporations. They usually got heaps of cash. They've got. You can use strong. Firms. You can use stronger words here than that, um, David. If you want to. Uh, yeah, look, I can, I can, but it's going public, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah right. Okay. okay. Um, so, so it, it's probably just strange. It's it's probably strange to the people in power. That's like, oh, what? Really? Other people can use the law when the law exists to help everyone? Oh. Yeah, like we're used to seeing kids down the coal mines, not stopping the coal mines. <laughs> David, I saw you grimace before when you, you know, obviously lawfare is is a slur. It's absolutely a slur. You're up against uh, the government in this matter and the government is supposed to comport itself as a model litigant, quote, unquote. They're supposed to sort of be, you know, always can conduct themselves very, very well in very good faith in, um, in a court in any matter. Have they done so? Oh, they're they're quiet. They're not saying anything publicly. Um, um, we we have correspondence with the uh, the representatives of the minister, and, and and they're lovely. Yes. How does okay. how do they do? How do they correspond? Do they come on a horse with a scroll and a little? <laughs> <laughs> Please, we are going to build a coal mine. Um, yeah, look, look. Funnily enough, they do use email, and, and it, it's very nice to receive those those PDF letters. You, you've been, I mean, you've been kind of working in this space for a while in terms of class actions uh, around climate. H- have you had much success in the past? Uh, we're we're in that sweet spot. Where we've got a couple of actions on foot, and we haven't lost anything yet. Um, <laughs> All potential, but, no, undefeated, no. undefeated, yeah. undefeated, yeah. That's right. So, so look, that that'll um, we'll see what happens. We've got a trial coming up in November for a um, for a case for a young man in Brisbane against his superannuation fund for mm. not disclosing climate change risks to him and not incorporating sort of a, a process to to weed out risky investments. Yeah, this so, is mm. this is slightly dicey territory potentially, and so you can tell me to get fucked. But um, <laughs> but I guess you know we're at a point in history where there's a certain like. Like this is pretty cutting edge kind of cases that you're doing and it's going to become more common in the future, but it's not super common right now. Uh, And so I imagine that you would uh, uh, encounter a real range of views from the judiciary. Like are there states that are better or worse to launch action in or levels of courts that are better or worse to launch action in for that reason? 
Yeah, look, it's a, it's a judicial lottery. Every member of the judiciary has their, their expertise and, and their experience. And that's probably all I'll say, say about that. So some of them don't believe in climate change. Is that what, is that what you're saying? I, I, I don't know. I, I yeah. have no idea. Oh, my um, God. Will the, are the kids coming into court? Forgive my ignorance of the system. Like, will they be in court with you at any point? No, court, court doesn't exist anymore. It's like just everyone in front of a green screen with like the, the coat of arms behind it. And look, if they lean back too far, they'll disappear into the coat of arms <laughs> and like their ward, you know, wardrobe appears or something. So, so they'll be all online. Um, wow. So they just send in a TikTok video for you to watch. <laughs> <laughs> we could do that, yeah. <laughs> so is that, how long, how long is it going to be like that just until the pandemic's over? Uh, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're sort of extending it indefinitely. Uh, things down in Victoria where we, we filed this class action are, are pretty slow. Yeah. Uh, they, they do deal with urgent or more urgent things um, quicker, but we, we don't have a return date yet, which means we don't have like this uh, this first court date to do timetabling and we don't have a judge yet. So, yeah, we'll okay. see. With this particular case, what's like the most amazing kind of story or, or thing that's happened to you whilst kind of putting this together? <sighs> Uh, what have you been I mean, most surprised by? Uh, just, just, just these, just the people we represent. Like, so, so there's there's eight kids. They're all absolutely articulate, passionate. Um, it's fair to say my view of the world has changed over the last three weeks or four weeks or How? five weeks. Like, or, you know, what, in what way? Uh, just, just, just the, the passion, the awareness. How if if these kids are literally the future and these are the, the leaders that that we'll have we're in good hands they're they're connected sort of to, to their emotions they're connected to family they're connected to community they're absolutely streets ahead of anyone you know for most people in their 20s really mm. uh, 30s 40s 50s um it's it's an absolute privilege to to deal with them yeah. How did they find you, David? Like, I wouldn't have known how to find a lawyer at, at high school age. <laughs> yeah, look, I think they find me quite charming. Ah, um, <laughs> uh, uh, yes. I bet on. they love that dad joke humour. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Totally. Well, yeah, look, look, you know, lol, etc. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, they found, they found David on TikTok, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do not hang out on TikTok. I don't, yeah, I don't think that's, that's what, what one should do. Uh, yeah, no, no, so, so you know, we're, we're lawyers. We, we advise people. Um, 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 we, we have contacts that um, and we got in contact with them through the School Strike for Climate Network. Ah, uh, right, through, through that network. That, that's a pretty solid network. Now, there are kind of precedents all over the world for um, individuals and groups of people taking their governments to task over climate action, particularly in Denmark and more recently in Ireland. And I'm going to be talking with Jesse Mosby tomorrow about their fight, um, t- talking about taking the Torres Strait to, to sue the Australian government on the lack of climate yeah. action in the UN, in Geneva. Can you take this class action any further than the Victorian <laughs> Supreme Court? Uh, so, so it's in the Victorian Registry of the Federal Court. Right. Um, we we just hope to win, and we hope that that's it. But you know, it could be appealed appealed to the full Federal Court, and then appealed to the High Court. That's that's the route of appeals. We can't really go to the UN, I'm afraid. A uh, bit bit of our, our out of our jurisdiction, really. <laughs> <laughs> now, there are plenty of people who, I guess would say they have a, a sense of grief about the enormous loss that they've witnessed over the last even just a few years when it comes to climate change. What do you say to them about organising to join a class action for climate action? What, how do you build one? Um, well, people are technically already in it. 
Mm. Um, we we love people to sign up and register on our on our website just to, to give support to the, um, the the students bringing the action. Um, so so that's a, a positive step they can take. But there's there's lots of positive things people can do. And so these students are on the side organising um, protests. They're um, they're involved in the school strike for climate movement. Uh, they they do wonderful things. They you know they bring their parents along. In many cases. We, we speak to the parents and I'm like, yeah, I didn't really know much about climate change beforehand, um, but it turns out it's actually pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, just, just spread the word and, and society is starting to change, I think. Is it bizarre that, you know, the, the students are teaching the older people all about the climate issues? They seem to be so connected. Is that a, is that a, that's a weird disconnect for you? Yeah, it is. It is, actually. Um, but... Um, in some ways, not surprising. They're, they're, they're teaching us stuff as well, just, just around really, really good protocols on, on how to sort of introduce yourself and, and you know, they're always, they're, you know, the standard welcome to country, this sort of stuff. They're, they're amazing. They're, they're way more in, in contact with sort of issues in society and, and it's, it's great to learn from them. So, yeah, it's amazing. What do you rate your chances out of 10 to win? <laughs> Oh, well, it's, it's it's ten out of ten for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there a sport? Is there like a sports bet app or something I can put money on? <laughs> but look, there probably there probably is. But, um, uh, if you find it, let me know. Although, um, actually, I don't I don't think I could do that. <laughs> David, we um we covered this story on uh, on our podcast for the ABC. The signal as well, and I think one of the most interesting things that I took away from it was that if you are successful, or, or you know whatever your chances are, if you are successful, it has the potential to kind of lead to other projects being cancelled. It creates such a it creates a very very strong precedent in law. Is that part of what made you want to do this case? Yeah, so so you, you go to court and your your focus is on the the, the case at hand and, and and the rights that you're um, prosecuting. So this is about one particular decision, but yeah, absolutely. So so the the duty of care is around the climate impacts, and so so because um, that's intimately linked with the, the duty we say that the uh, the minister has. It's it's pretty uh, you know it's not a. a a difficult step to say, well, the next decision that the minister might need to make with, with a similar project, with similar climate impacts, absolutely, you know. So so we we could be seeing the, the start of something big. If, mm. if, we, if we win something big, um, I mean to say something that, that is really helpful for, for kids in the climate. So fingers crossed. And do you, do you get the feeling you're making a lot of enemies with inside the fossil fuel lobby and have people been staking out your car? Pouring petrol over it. <laughs> I don't know. It's quite a long way away from my house. Um, <laughs> not that I know of. Uh, look, look, Andrew Bolt, that fellow, and Canavan had a bit of a crack at us uh, last night on on Sky News. That's probably um, not not expected, but it's a it's, good sign, David. It's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, 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 we're reaching the. Yeah, they're publicising this class action. It's great. We we'll probably get a lot of signups because of that. So, um, so yeah, thank you, Andrew, um, Matthew. Yeah, who knows, right? But, but they're irrelevant. No one listens to them anymore. And David, uh, are the teenagers are they good for are they, are they good for your legal fees? Are they um? Are they bankrolling you? Uh, no, no. Well, look, the way it works, the 
teenagers can't actually bring a, a, a case in the federal courts, but, so they've brought it by their litigation guardian who's an 85-year-old nun. Oh, um, wow. She doesn't have much cash either, um, so so we are doing it for free. Uh, for let's just say the Catholic Church is uh, asset rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, in, individual nuns, asset poor. Asset poor. <laughs> well, David, thank you so much um, for sharing how you're trying to do this gigantic, um, epic battle. Um, I wish you luck. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. And before we go tonight, I've got one more thing to share. Monday in this feed you'll hear me and Kevin Rudd on our special monthly version of Irrational Fear called The Greatest Moral Podcast of Our Generation. Kevin and I, we spoke about climate change, where we are, where we're going, and there's plenty of Rupert Murdoch bashing along the way. I hate to say it, but after about an hour with Kevin, I may think I'd like the guy again. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was very challenging for me. It was really smart and insightful conversation. If you're an Ozpol nerd, you'll love it. I just don't know if it can live up to the opener, though. Um, here is the opener that uh, Jacob and Robbie McGregor made. Despite global warming, a rational fear is adding a little more hot air with long-form discussions with climate leaders, good and bad. This is cold. Don't be afraid. The heat waves and drought. Greatest. Mass extinction. Moral. We're facing a man-made disaster. Podcast. They're the climate criminals. Of our generation. All of this with the global warming and the, that, and a lot of it's a hoax. The greatest moral podcast of our generation. Goomberg, for sure. Yes, an episode of Goomberg coming to your feed right here on Monday. Big thanks to Jacob Brown and Robin Rigger for that. Uh, also, a big thank you to our fear mongers for tonight Angela Wapierre, Mike Goldstein, Lewis Hobber, and David Barnden. Let's get some plugs away. What have you got to plug, Ange? Oh, uh, I've got a few gigs coming up, but I'm not used to plugging them because it's been so long since comedy's happened. So I'll just say, yeah, I make a podcast for the ABC called The Signal every weekday morning. And it's very good. And Mike Goldstein, what have you got to plug? Uh, You mentioned it before, the Phone Hacks podcast. Me and a few other comedians swap phones, go through the content we find therein and post on each other's socials. And uh, hopefully live comedy comes back one day and I'll be on a stage somewhere near you. And Dave Barnon, what do you want to plug? Uh, it's more class action on behalf of eight kids and a nun. Um, go to equitygenerationlawyers.com. <laughs> and Lewis, and Lewis it's like Sister Act 4. I'm loving it. <laughs> it is. It is Sister Act 4. That's right. <laughs> Lewis, what do you got to plug? Oh, nothing, Dan. Still still doing a radio show every day, but you listen or don't. I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> Big thanks to the Bertha Foundation, our Patreon supporters, post-producer Jacob Round on the Teppanyaki timeline. Contributors in this episode with um, Jay Leno jokes include Gary Bradbury, Reed Parker, Dave Bluestein, Den- Denver Golf Club, Heath Franklin and Harrison Engstrom. Big thanks to Kate Holdsworth. Please go get a Go Neutral sticker or chip in on the Patreon and please give us a review on iTunes. Until next week, there's always something to be scared of. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.